From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode number 83. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, MailRoute, and FreshBooks. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Mr. Jason Snell. Welcome back, Mike. Thank you. Good to have you back. Yeah, I've got a crazy traveling schedule so far this year. You are doing a very good job of uh, getting some fantastic guest hosts to fill in. I uh, very much enjoyed last week's episode, except for the point where uh, Ren was wrong about the iPhone 6 <laughs> Plus size. Um, but we don't need to get into that too much today. Uh, I do say I enjoy listening to the show. I love infuriating you uh, when you're not here. It's the best. Yeah, I know. I feel it. Like when you said, uh, I, I have to say, I wasn't going to bring this up, but I'm going to bring it up now. Uh, there was a point in the show where you said about my name being spelled incorrectly. Yes. Right. What I really liked about that moment is there was never so slight editing error when you did that, and that made me smile because uh, it was bad karma for you. Ah, I d- I don't even know uh, what that was. You faded in on yourself, which was very interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So that's, there's a little Easter egg for people to go back and find, ah. and it put a big smile on my face. I have no like, idea what happened there. You f- you okay. mock me, sir. Yeah. That's what you get. But uh, I did really enjoy last week. All the pencil stuff was fantastic with Ren um, and hearing her talk about that. One of my favorite things uh, was <laughs> when you were kind of uh, making fun of her, like, oh, you didn't get to touch the device, huh? Didn't get to touch it? That was, that was, that really made Well, yeah, because, I mean, I assume, because Renee had one and she was uh-huh. in Cupertino. So I, I assume that they, they felt like Apple was giving it to Renee to review yep. and that it would be bad form if she wrote about using the one that Renee had. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine that she actually had hands on experience with it and felt like she could not discuss that. And that's fine. I mean, that, that may have, those may have been the ground rules that they got for getting one early was really this is just for you don't you know this is not for your your team or your staff it's for you to review so you know that was that was painful but she's got one now so it's all good so uh i wanted to just mention something that i've been thinking about in regards to the two different pros the 12.9 and the 9.7 because um, I've been listening to a few things I listened to, obviously, last week's episode. I listened to you and John Gruber's very long but great episode of the talk <laughs> so show. So long. So very long. Um, so I listened to all of that, too. And one of the things that I found quite interesting, people are talking a lot about the differences between the 9.7 and the 12.9. And quite a lot of the conversation is how like the 9.7 has extra additional good features over the 12.9. But one that I was thinking about is whilst the screen has a bunch of great new technology in it that makes it great for color and stuff like that, one of the things that it lacks over the 12.9 is the resolution. So obviously it's a lower resolution screen, which means that multitasking and software, stuff like that, is actually worse on the 9.7. Because like on the 12.9, you get like two iPad apps basically yeah. in portrait side by side, and you don't get that on the on the Baby Pro. And that's the the um yeah I mean it's just they're more pixels they're 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 whatever a couple million more pixels on the twelve point nine and uh, yeah I mean I think that kind of goes with the the goes 
obviously it did go without saying because we didn't say it but the idea there that uh when you when you're using it like with a computer screen right you can fit more stuff on the screen and then if you're not using the keyboard it's even worse because then that keyboard slides up and takes over a large percentage of the screen which in split screen mode is dumb Um, yeah because the keyboard is higher isn't it than it would be on the uh the Mm 12.9 because the the 12.9 keyboard is wider so you actually lose out quite a bit there and i just thought that that's um an interesting distinction to make between uh-huh. the two of them that the uh it's the number one reason you would use the 12.9 over the uh, 9.7 is th- the screen is bigger i mean i yeah perhaps we didn't uh, uh, emphasize that enough but it's a lot bigger screen <laughs> that's well, I, like I why think it's you just would go there nuance like everybody knows the screen is bigger but the the software doesn't scale screen wise right like it's just different on 12 unlike the mini and the and and the air which are the same number of pixels just packed into a smaller space on the mini mm-hmm. the pro has more pixels just un- unless it's an app that hasn't been updated for the pro in which case it scales it up but uh, you know most apps many apps uh, all the good apps for the ipad pro uh 12.9 are using that extra space and then when you use split screen or all of that then you have you know you have apps that don't feel like they're hobbled by being in uh in a split screen because yeah. there's so much space on the screen yeah so i just thought that that was an interesting thing to think about this is just something i've been mulling over as i've been thinking about all right what Good that point. ipad is is for me and Put i don't think it's necessarily up. something that people are like oh that you're people are silly for not mentioning i think it might just be one of those things that comes with time to reflect and or time to actually use one right hmm which I haven't. I haven't actually seen one of these yet. Oh. I know they're out in stores, but uh, I've been kind of tied up this weekend. <laughs> WrestleMania. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. So I haven't actually had the time to go and look at these things, but I'm actually thinking about going to do that sometime this week. Just to go in and, and take a look. Um, I've been looking at a lot of pictures and stuff on the website. I think one of my favorite little uh, design flourishes on the 9.7 is the way that they integrate the uh, antennas on the Wi-Fi model. It mm-hmm. looks way better than any iPad previously. You know, it had like the little white line on the cellular model. That's yeah. what I meant. Sorry, yes, on the on the cellular model. Yeah, it's color. It's like color match. The the the. It's got the little scoop where the for the cutout, but then it's color match. So it's just this line instead of being a whole black, uh, you know, strip the whole way across the top. Yeah. 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 So there you go, iPad stuff. Um. I've seen a couple of links flying around over the last few days uh, about further strengthening the idea that OS X will be renamed to Mac OS. Have you seen these? I have. So this uh, came from Apple Insider, and there is some remnants in 10.11.4 which hints to Mac OS naming. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, You think this could just be an error or something? Yeah. I, I, I do. I, I think it, it could be evidence. It could be an error. Um, we also heard at, at, at some point, was it the event before last, somebody on stage said Mac OS at one point and everybody went, <gasps> and, you know, it might be. I mean, I think it's logical that they're heading there. The evidence is there. It's not just me writing crazy articles on Macworld saying this is going to be, this is what they should do. But it's like Phil Schiller said at the, at the talk show live last year at WWDC, you know, this is part of our, this is part of our strategy and there's more to come. And I, I, I do feel like that this is the other shoe dropping. Um, 
And, you know, marketing is different, so it, it, it's not necessarily evidence because they could call, continue to call it OS X internally. They could call it Mac OS internally and still call it OS X externally. So so it, it, it it's not proof, but it is uh, another little addition to the pile of, of yeah. uh, thought that's growing, that is, that they're going to rebrand OS X as Mac OS, uh, which would free them to get off the number 10 uh, at, at last, at the same time that iOS is probably going to number ten. Yeah, I think uh, I, th- I think that it's going to happen. Um, I'm just not. I don't know if it will happen at WWDC. It feels like it could be a right time, right? Because you get the the ten tick over. They may not even call right. iOS iOS ten if they do this. Who knows? But well, well, you, you know, we've talked about that idea of like, what if what if they did an iOS release that was not. <laughs> was not 10 but like 9.5 and said we're focusing on these important features and we're we're you know we're we we're just going to call it 9.5 um I do think that there's an argument to be made that they that they actually call this macOS uh 10.12 anyway only because next year they would be able to be completely in sync and um and then the next year they would have iOS 11 and macOS 11 and they would just move in lockstep from that point but I don't know it's, you know, there's so many different paths they could take, uh, plenty of arguments in favor and against all of them. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see what they actually do. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's um, you know, thumbs up to the people who uh, look through all the text strings in all the files of all the OS releases in order to try to find things. Because sometimes things are revealed by looking at that stuff. So because it's not all it's not always stripped out. This is actually, I think, one of the reasons this goes to that that same idea about why Apple is open about so much of the beta stuff now is because they know it's going to be out there. So, you know, the one thing they can try to protect is stuff they haven't announced yet. But that means that you need to not release things that are that that give it away. And sometimes they release things that give it away. Yeah. Uh, more power to the people that go through that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, that's a thankless task, but every yep. now and then you get you get somebody who notices something. It's magical. This week's episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks are here to help you, to help everyone who owns a small business to try and avoid the stress that comes with running your businesses. And one of the main stress points, one of the biggest points that most business owners will struggle with is the money side, the invoicing side. FreshBooks help you tackle this, take control of it and wrangle your invoices. And they do this by giving you access to really intuitive and easy to use tools to create and send invoices. You'll be up and running super quickly and you'll be able to get invoices sent out to your clients just 30 seconds. That's how long it takes to create and send. You can customize them. You can add all the information you need. You can do things like adding PO numbers and, and all kinds. You can change invoice numbers, whatever you need to do to make them fit in with your system or with your client systems. You can add your logo to the invoice so it looks really great and professional. It's just a simple touch, but um, that customization kind of just shows a level of care on your side to your client. I think that sort of stuff's really good and it's great that they include all of that. Uh, one of the best things about FreshBooks, one of my favorite things, is how easy they make it for your clients to pay you. 
that is important. Uh, invoices are about you getting paid, and, invo- and and FreshBooks make it really simple for those invoices to get paid. You can integrate with services like PayPal. You can receive payments by card. You can give all of the information that you need on uh, the invoice, maybe for somebody to pay by bank transfer or check. And FreshBooks have their own payment system as well, which you can check out. FreshBooks customers get paid five days faster on average because of this. You can see whether your clients have looked at an invoice, so you can keep track of everything as it goes through the system. If you want to keep more organized in your business, you can track your expenses in FreshBooks. No more boxes full of receipts. You can very easily reconcile everything. And their mobile app lets you take photos of your receipts and organize them later. They have great reporting, so you can see who owes you what. They have tons of third-party integrations. You can track your time in FreshBooks. And they have fantastic support as well. It's super simple to get started on FreshBooks. Just trust me on this one. If you are a small business owner, you send invoices, maybe you uh, just do client work or freelancing, just go and check them out for the next invoice that you need to send. I use FreshBooks every single week to send out our invoices and it saves my butt so many times. I absolutely love it. They are offering a free 30-day trial to listeners of this show. There's no credit card needed to do it. And to claim your 30 days of unrestricted use, go to freshbooks.com slash upgrade. Enter the code upgrade, U-P-G-R-A-D-E, in the how you heard about us section. So you just say, oh, I heard about uh, FreshBooks on upgrade. And you will uh, then let them know that you heard about them through us. It just helps go that extra step just to confirm that you've heard about the lovely FreshBooks on your favorite show, Upgrade. So go to freshbooks.com slash upgrade to find out more. Sign up for your 30-day trial unrestricted. Thank you so much to FreshBooks for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, Mr. Snell, uh, yes, on last week's episode uh, with the lovely Serenity, you were talking about the 9.7-inch keyboard, and you'd basically just picked yours up from Apple at this point. And yeah. I don't remember the exact words, but I know that the tone and the, your kind of feelings at the time was, this keyboard is ridiculous. I had not used the keyboard at that point other than in the demo room. It was right. still in the box because uh, I, I, I drove back from Cupertino, and then we did the show. So to kind of reiterate on it, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, your feelings were just everything was too small, it was too cramped. The keys were too small, right? Like, and that it was just a nice try, but wasn't going to work for you. That was kind of your feeling. And then, well, I mean, it's a scaled down keyboard. Scaled down keyboards are bad. I've tried them before. No, bad. Then what happened? (laughs) You'll never believe what happened next. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I, um, I went. So one of the things I try to do with, especially mobile products, is use them like in mobile situations. Mm So for the iPad, and I did this with the iPad Pro, um, one of the things I do, I mean, I can take it to my countertop in my house and things like that, but I uh, wanted to change a pace, uh, and I had to actually pick up my daughter uh, after school and take her to a doctor's appointment, and so I had about an hour and a half before that, and I decided to drive over to uh, by the high school and um, go to the Starbucks over there and be a mobile person right a working mm-hmm. from a cafe with an ipad person Co-worker. so i i uh, yeah so 9.7 inch ipad pro with the smart keyboard cover uh i uh, got my hot chocolate sat down at a table and um 
and uh, folded op- open the uh, keyboard and started to type. And uh, I was re- going to re- what I was going to do is type a section of my review about the smart keyboard. And in the end, I decided I should just post this. And I still haven't finished that review. I wrote I reviewed the iPhone SE, but the the iPad I still am halfway through that review. I have to do that early this week. Um, uh, but I wrote about the keyboard as on the keyboard, <laughs> and as I was writing. Um, and I was sort of doing the intro and giving some context about the, the, the uh, describing that it's smaller and so that they scaled these keys down more and these keys down less and all that. And as I'm typing, I realize I'm typing at full speed on this keyboard, uh, which surprised me. And and when I, I was thinking about how I how I did it, and I think the key for me was I had to keep some fingers on the keyboard, like. Uh, one of the advantages of these of these little uh, keyboards with uh, that are made of fabric, basically, is it doesn't take much to depress the keys. You can feel them depress, but it's just like almost no force to to depress them. And so, you're if you don't move your hands very much, so you're always sort of because orientation is a lot of the problem with uh, scale down keyboards is you lose your mental map of where the keys are, and then you have to like look down and so wait a second, where was that key again? But if I left my my, you know, not every finger on the keyboard at all times, but if I had a couple fingers on the keyboard, like knowing where they were so I could orient based on that and then put the rest of my fingers down and then type some more, um, almost like typing while leaving my fingers. Um, it's hard to, hard to describe, but almost like they're, they were down the whole time, not quite, but close there. They were rather than, rather than lifting them up and waving them around and then putting them back down. I just sort of like left the fingers down. Um, which has some, there are some long-term probably RSI issues with that because you don't want to be like in super flex position all the time. But at the same time with that fabric keyboard, it was, um, I I could almost relax with my fingers sitting on that keyboard. Hmm. Anyway, as long as I stayed um, oriented properly, then I could type and and it, you know, it, it, uh, I wasn't making mistakes and I was typing at full speed. And I was very impressed by that. Now, every time I had to type a key that was not quite in my comfort zone, so I had to shift, then I lost context, and then I slowed way down. So, like, I actually had to create a shortcut uh, where I typed Baby Pro, and it expanded to 9.7-inch iPad Pro, because... Every time I would do the nine point seven, I would have to I would have to move my hands to hit the nine, and then hold down the shift key in order to make the period, and then reach the seven, and then reorient to get my hand sort of my right hand back where it needed to be on the keyboard to start typing uh, letters again, and uh, that was not good. So, um, but I so I came away impressed with the fact that it did not feel like it was impossible to type. Even for me, and I'm finicky, uh, at full speed on this keyboard, I felt like I could really do it, and uh, so that's that was su- surprising. And then the other thing is the number one reason I dislike the 12.9 inch iPad Pro smart keyboard is I feel like it's really bulky. Um, it, it adds a it's lot big. of weight. It, you know, it's it, it, it yeah, it's big. I mean, it's it's um it's two thirds of the weight of the 9.7 inch iPad Pro. Yeah, I will <laughs> say a, on this it's a big keyboard point, I, I uh, use that keyboard every day. My iPad is is constantly connected with that keyboard. It is my cover as well as my keyboard. You do get used to it. Like I completely agree with you. It adds weight. It's bulky. It's huge. Like if you unroll that entire thing, it's it's mm-hmm. massive. Uh, and once you but once you get used to it, it is more than livable. 
I just found like I I always want to rip it off. Yeah. And so I I just decided that I was not going <laughs> to I was not going to carry it with me all the time and I replaced it with a with a, a smart cover instead. Yeah, when um, I when I got it I decided to commit to it, right? Um and after about a week it it was fine for me. I I didn't really notice it and yeah. and I was happy with the benefit that it gave me, but I can more than sympathize with why somebody may feel that that keyboard is kind of cumbersome and crazy because it yeah. is you got to use it you got to use it enough for it to be worth it yeah to have that extra exactly which i do extra bulk uh, and no. i i so th- here's the thing um because simply because of physics this is a much smaller area that it has to cover um it's a much smaller product on the 9.7 inch and it's much lighter and i don't i don't think it's a, you know it's just not as it's not as bulky it doesn't seem to to bother me as much so carrying it around um with the keyboard on it mm-hmm. um as a cover feels much more reasonable to me on the on the 97 to the 12 now, not yeah. only is the 97 iPad itself lighter but then the keyboard is proportionally lighter than the version that's on the 12.9 because it's covering a much smaller area in terms of uh the screen size and so it just you can do the math um it's a lot lighter and uh and and it's a really nice combination so that that also impressed me that the idea that you would carry this uh ipad which is itself much smaller and lighter than the ipad that i've been using for the last few months and then you have the keyboard on there too so you can walk with that it's very light and then you sit down at your local cafe and you pop it open and now you've got a keyboard and you're typing at full speed that was pretty cool so i was i ended up uh yeah coming all the way around on the smart keyboard um I think it's I I think the smallness of it is not a as big a problem as I thought, and it's actually an advantage because it's so much lighter. So the funny thing is, you know, you effectively uh, are in getting all the benefits that I have and all the things that I enjoy about it, right? Like the convenience, you know, just having this keyboard there. It's part of the whole device. It's also a stand, like you know, like all of the convenience that I enjoy, but without the downsides of the physical size and and weight of the thing right because the what you're describing about why you like it is exactly why i like the smart cover on my 12.9 inch ipad it's all of those reasons but there aren't those downsides yeah i mean that's and every for everybody it's different i mean if Mm -hmm. if you are i think that's what i said about the uh, the the bigger smart keyboard is if you use it if you need to be somebody who has always has a keyboard with you um, attached to the front of your your iPad, then then yes, it's worth it for you. For me, I given the way that I use the iPad, um, I I always have just brought a a Bluetooth keyboard with me because I I can go into mm-hmm. that context, but a lot of times I'm not in that context and I don't want the extra weight when I'm just moving around the house. I I sort of enter writing mode and power through on a hardware keyboard and then I leave it and I go back to just using the software keyboard. Yeah. And uh, so for me, that that is, uh, it's not it's not worth it to have that weight. But for if, if, you're, if you're using it a lot, then it's totally worth it. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, let's spoil your iPad Pro 9.7 inch review a little bit by talking about the device. It's a service we can provide. Yeah, early access. To Upgradians, yes. So you've had a week with this device now. Yes, sir. Um, what are your overall feelings do you do you like the, do you like this product i do i think it's uh i am surprised at how much i like it 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 definitely took time for me to get um 
used to the size again because I had moved, you know, I was an iPad mini user and then I moved to the iPad Air 2 last summer. And then this fall, I I moved to the iPad Pro this win- this winter, so um, I have to remind myself. And you know, after after having that big iPad Pro, the the little one feels um, so small, like an iPad Mini, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. It's a very strange feeling. So it, it it's taken some time to, uh, but you know, it it's. It's the this is the classic iPad size. I mean, I think that's the bottom line is that this is this is what we think of as an iPad is this product, yep. um, wh- and it's been upgraded with all of these other features. So it is. I, I expect this will be the best selling iPad. I think a lot of people who have older iPads will upgrade to this one because of all the new features that it's got. This is a much. It feels like a much more mainstream product than the twelve point nine inch iPad Pro that I have. And I'm I'm you know I like the twelve point nine inch iPad Pro. And um, I don't regret buying it at all. But I acknowledged, I, I, I would acknowledge even at the time that it's not for everybody, right? Because it is, you gotta, you gotta want all the stuff that comes with it. And and uh, unfortunately, if you wanted to use the the Apple Pencil, your only option for a few months anyway was to buy that that enormous iPad. And now you don't have to. You you only need to buy the enormous iPad if you want an enormous iPad. Otherwise, you can just get the 9.7-inch classic-sized iPad. So uh, I think I think it's going to be a hit because it's uh, what we've come to think of as an iPad, but it's got all of those features that were previously only available in the, in the, um, the large one, which is, you know, more of an outlier. It's more of an edge case than, than this one. This is, a, this is right in the heart of the, it's like the sweet spot of the iPad product line. So you mentioned about, you know, people that have used the iPad before would feel good upgrading to this one. Who is this product for, do you think? And how does this kind of perception of market differ to the 12.9? Well, I think, uh, I think Pro, I understand why they use that term and we've talked through it a lot. The idea here is you're paying more because you want more. Because if you if you don't need all of these pro features, you can get the iPad Air two for what one hundred and fifty dollars less, um, and it's not as fast, and it doesn't do the pencil, but uh, and it doesn't have the True Tone, but it's got and it doesn't have that that camera, the high quality camera, but it's cheaper, and so I think uh, I think the slot for this is. Um, it's it you pay more to get more. It's going to be the top of the line stuff. And then it's just a matter of what you, you know, what screen size you want. Do you want to have a heavier, bulkier, but beautiful giant screen iPad Pro? Or do you want one that's can't doesn't fit as much stuff in split view and, you know, it's, but, but is, uh, but is uh, much lighter and smaller and easier to carry around. And, and those are the differentiators, I think. Do you think that, the type of tasks that people would do on these iPads would be different? Do you think that there is, you know, say you've got the the crowd of people um, now that are switching more to iPads for work, like me and you're doing more of it, and we obviously just Federico, and, you know, many people we know are starting to transition more and more of their stuff, like that is the current meme, whether you like it um, or not, people are doing more of this stuff. Do you think that, that kind of transition is better served to the 12.9 than the 9.7? I think it's a personal decision, right? I mean, I, I do think it has to do with, and it's not just, I mean, we talk about this a lot, but uh, 
with uh, computers sometimes, there's so many different variables that go into it because what makes somebody select a MacBook or what makes somebody select a MacBook Air versus a Retina MacBook Pro? And then within those, what makes somebody select the 15 or the 13 or the or the 13 or the 11? Um, that has to do with how they use it uh, in, in terms of personal style, the tools they're using. Just, you know, like we were talking before we came on the air about the difference between you, you like to put things in full screen mode and have some different spaces. And I just have everything in one space. Uh, so some personal style comes into some of these decisions, I think, and on the iPads as well. Um, and then physical issues too. It's like, where are you using it and how are you carrying it around and what's most comfortable for you? And, and, uh, all of that factors into it. So I feel like, um, it's good that we have choices because not everybody wants exactly the same thing. Um, but that the difference between the one and the other really is is a personal decision based on what your values are, what you know, what what's more important to you and what's less important to me. And for me, I've really with the with the big one, I feel like it by having all that extra screen space, uh, I don't mind the weight and bulk, although it's definitely noticeable. Uh, and I like what I get in return. And I like the fact that it's basically sidelined my um, my MacBook Air because of that. But I could, you know, I can see that for most people, it's probably the other way, which is this, you know, I, I'm comfortable with that screen, the size that it is. I don't need the extra, the extra room for what I'm trying to do, um, whether it's sketching things or, or, you know, writing emails or whatever they're doing. Tell you why some of the reasons I'm asking this question is I'm trying to understand something about myself mm-hmm. that I haven't got an answer to right now. And it's, did the iPad Pro show me that I could do work on the iPad? Or is the iPad Pro, the large one, the only iPad I can do my work on? Right. Was it going to happen anyway? Like, would I have made this transition eventually even with the Air 2? Or was it, or is it only because of the screen size and the real estate that makes me want to do that. That's what I can't understand. Like, was the ad- advancements made in iOS 9 and the way that that was starting to move, would that have always pushed me in this direction? Or was it that product, the big product, that made me make that decision? And it's one of the reasons why I have my, uh, I updated my, uh, and turned on basically my uh, Air 2 a couple of days ago, just to kind of, because I haven't touched it since since I got the Pro. And I was starting to move more stuff over to that. I remember, you know, the split screen stuff when all of that started to hit, uh-huh. it was making me like using the iPad more and more again. But I'm not sure if I really would have taken the big leaps that I have now, and my preference being just that device. Like I, I, when I went to Romania, it's the first time I've made a trip like that. I didn't have a Mac with me. I, di- I didn't take it and it was totally fine. And I was working on that trip. And I'm trying to understand like, would like say apple released the 9.7 inch pro first would i have felt the same about that device i don't know i don't know i it's uh yeah it's hard to say i think uh the it all it all kind of got wrapped up wrapped up together using the 9.7 inch ipad pro now um i i feel like a lot of the stuff that I'm doing on the on the bigger iPad Pro I can do on it and it's fine but I 
having had the experience on the larger screen, I, you know, what was it? I think I heard Mark Arment say on ATP the other week, uh, you know, once you get the bigger screen, you never say, you never go back to the smaller screen. You're like, why would I do that? <laughs> bigger screens are better. And yeah, um, up forever, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's, that's not entirely true because exactly. if there's a reason enough, like I went to the 11 inch MacBook Air, right? That was a smaller laptop than I had used before, but I went to it because it was so small and uh, light and portable and that was all great. Uh, but my point is that using the 9.7 now, after using the 12.9, uh, I, I say to myself, boy, this is really, you know, this is really tight. This is really, uh, you know, there's not as much stuff on the screen. And if I'm not using the keyboard, that keyboard slides up and gets in the way. I don't, I also don't like the classic iPad keyboard. Now that I've spent time with that iPad pro keyboard, that's full sized and has the number row and all of that. It's like, I really, it looks like a toy keyboard. I know it looks like, it looks like, uh, yeah, my first keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's, uh, I think if we were in the context of the uh, iPad Air 2, and then the next thing that came out was the, uh, the iPad Pro 9.7 inch, I think it would be, uh, a little bit of a step forward. I think it would be a little less exciting for those of us who don't use the Apple pencil, especially, cause I think that's a big part of this. Um, so, so I think it would not have been as big a step. I think the 12.9 was a big step because it added all of the kind of pro features and that the, the screen size, uh, you know, split view and slide over. Al- although they're nice on, on the smaller models, like split view is made for the 12.9. Like it is so powerful in there and it's more, it's, it's a compromised uh, experience. It's on probably the why they did it right in the first place. I think, yeah, I think that's exactly it. So what are we going to do with a huge iPad screen? Well, if we're going to have a, a screen that big, we better, you know, be able to run more than one app in yeah. it. It's like you really see, like they had an idea for that product. They tried it out and they were like, no, this is, this is silly. This like these, these apps are just huge now. We need to think about this again. Right. Right. So I guess I've come by by wandering through this train of thought. I, I guess what I, I would say is that I don't think the iPad 9.7 inch iPad Pro would have been as uh, impressive to you or me um, if it was just the follow up to the Air 2 and we there had been no larger model because the, the, the screen size is part of the story. Uh, of that uh, of the appeal of that product now for a lot of people it's not an, a reason enough i think but um you could also make an argument that the 9.7 is a nice product that people are going to like but that the 12 having the 12 9 out there hovering out there is going to as time goes on possibly appeal to some of those people who think boy this is really all great but what i really need is more you know, more screen space for the stuff that I'm doing. And it's, you know, it's available for them yeah. once they make that decision too. And it is that line of thinking that gets John Syracuse or his 25-inch iPad, right? You know, that that's the line of thinking. Ultimately, uh, I, I think that's probably true. Like, if there's a market for it, this is, uh, you know, we, we'll talk about the iPhone SE, I imagine, in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But this is the same idea that there used to be a time when Apple made a product, right? And it was like they would find the sweet spot. They'd be like, yeah, okay, this this is the sweet spot. Here's the iPhone. This is the sweet spot. Here's the iPad. And they don't, they don't do that anymore. They, they have the freedom now 
to make more than one product in a product line. And they get to hit more of those spots because there are people who have interests outside of the sweet spot, even if it's the sweetest of the spots, there are many other spots. Um, so uh, that's the beauty of having this iPad line the way it is now is that that 12.9 inch is, is out there just like, you know, 13 inch MacBook pro may be the sweet spot, but 15 is there. And for some people it's a way better product. And I always felt that way about being the 11 inch air user is that I never consider the 11 inch air to be uh, arguably the most uh, valid laptop that Apple makes for the most people. I never felt that way. It was always an outlier, but I was happy that um, there were enough of us who wanted that product that they made that product. So does this have a place for you? Do you think that this is something you'd want to have around? The the 9.7? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, nah. No. 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 I I would have to if my if my life was different, I, my my decisions might be different, but for the way that I live my life now, the 12.9 makes the most sense for me, I think. Um uh, when I travel with it, I've got a bag and I'm taking it with me. This, this, the lightness, if I was in something where just, I needed something that was as light as possible, something I could just, uh, carry with me with a keyboard and do work. If I was maybe commuting on a bus or a train or something like that, I might be more, uh, inclined to, to do the 9.7, I suppose. But, um, but I, I don't think I want I would want to go back from the, from the 12.9. Okay. One thing I've been I've been looking at this, you know, just as as you do, especially because last time when this, well, when we had the uh, the pro come out originally, one of the big stories that we were covering quite a lot, and we're talking a lot about this. We gave it quite a lot of time. Was the constraints that Apple seemed to have over the whole product line? The pencil and the keyboard were really, really badly backordered from the get go. Right now, the pencil seems pretty much fine now. Um, they've been producing that for a while. But the keyboard cover, the smart co- keyboard for the 9.7-inch is also multiple weeks backordered. Yeah. This seems like a very strange thing to happen again. Well, it's a new product, right? So they're ramping it. Uh, so that seems to be the story, which is not a new story for Apple. Apple has, throughout its recent history, <laughs> um, had supply constraint problems mm-hmm. with new products. And that feels like, and I wonder how much of that is, they're doing, a, they're doing a better job with iPhones and things now, but I wonder how much of that too is also like tied to secrecy. Like there's certain stuff they could probably do to make it ramp faster, but they can't because they don't want to give away things. I don't know. But uh, like the pencil is a good example where it seems to be flowing a lot more freely now because they've been making them for a while. And that doesn't just mean they have them in stock. It also means that the production line is sure. uh, is not being stopped every two hours because there's a problem. They fig- kind of figured out how to, how to make these things. But the the iPad scale. itself doesn't seem to be having problems, and the the original Pro no. did. Um, and you'd like to think that they have an idea of how to make a better idea of how to make this keyboard cover because they make the other one. Uh, it's just it was just a peculiar thing for me to see that this is the, a story again, or at least a, tr- a a thing again after last time. It just seems yeah. like a strange thing to occur because even though you know these are all separate items that go into this product line. This product really is complete for many people when you own all of the component pieces, the, the pencil and the keyboard. 
I also wonder, I mean, that smart keyboard is a very strange product. Um, it's this, you know, the fabric, the ablated fabric and the, uh, all of the, the, the way it's constructed. I do wonder, um, if it's complicated to produce that and it looks had like it, it is. Yes. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it, uh, if they've had some issues with that, um, keeping in mind that my, my guess is the volumes for the 9.7 and all its accessories will be dramatically bigger than the volumes for the 12.9, yeah. right? This is, this is such a more popular product because it's the mainstream size iPad that they're going to, even if they're making a lot more of them, they could still hit shortages immediately because they're probably selling a lot more of them. So I, I don't know. Um, we didn't even mention, although I, I mentioned it in my story that, that we were talking about earlier. Um, I asked again about these, these keyboards because this does seem to be one of the defining, like with the, like the pencil, these are the defining aspects of this product. What makes an iPad an iPad pro it's the pencil and the keyboard. And, there have been no smart connector accessories released since the last iPad was released. This is the, the there are now three smart connector accessories and it's the two smart keyboards and the Logitech create. Those are the only ones that have been released, uh, which is weird. And I asked, you know, I asked Apple, is there a program? Yes. There's a licensing program. Is there stuff in the works? Yeah. There's stuff in the works, but where where are they? So that that may suggest that it's more difficult to make these products than than uh, or expensive to make them than we thought. Perhaps there are issues with the smart connector format, or perhaps there are issues with what you have to pay Apple to use it. I don't know, but that's that's an interesting part of it. And then also, the last time I talked to Apple about this when the iPad Pro came out, um, they said that international keyboards would follow and they're they still haven't. following but who knows and, what they're following. and i asked again and they said same story they they will follow like they're, they they aren't backing off of their idea that there will be international keyboard layouts and the funny thing is they could do what they did in the software keyboard for the the 12.9 inch ipad pro which is uh they could label an international key set on the keys that are shaped for the U.S. key set. Yeah, I would prefer them to just not bother if that's what they're going to do. Well, they haven't bothered yet. So yeah, that's, but it's like, like if they if they were just going to change the glyphs, then there's no point doing it. They might as well just leave it as it is. Yeah, I I, I think I agree with that. Because um, the biggest problem we have is that the key shapes are different, right? That's right, the, the key issue. shapes are different. So so this is the um I I bring that up to say that I think that's a part of this too, which is obviously there are some production issues with this keyboard because they have they have talked about doing an international layout and they haven't. Yeah, they went on record at the twelve point nine launch about it. So. Yes, they did, and they've, they and they restated it last week, and yet where is it? Yeah, good point. Where good where point. where where is that? And, and so I think that feeds into perhaps shortages of this stuff is that it's a complicated product. It's hard to ship it at volume and they have been unable to to do a variation of it at this point for um for other markets. So, I don't know. It's a it's a strange thing um to to see. Another uh quibble uh with the accessories is that the uh smart covers do not transfer over from the airline. The magnets yes. are different, which is a strange thing to do, I think, because these covers are very expensive now. They're like $50. I, 
I would love to know if there's a real technical reason. And my guess is that there is. My my guess is that there's a reason that it's different and that Apple's not just breaking compatibility because they want to sell more accessories, although that's possible. I think I feel like that's never the primary justification for Apple to do something. They may also be well aware that they're going to sell more accessories if they make them incompatible, but mm-hmm. I, I I would I having talked to those people uh, a, a lot, I doubt it's ever the primary reason. It's just sort of like a bonus that comes along with it that everybody has to spend another $50. It it um it could have something to do with the placement of the magnets on the edge because of the uh, smart connector that the smart connector kind of makes the old style not um, not compatible um, because they had to move stuff around in order to make the smart connector where it is. Uh, it's also possible that this has to do with a problem with the existing smart cover design that they've been uh, dying to fix for a while. <laughs> like, because uh, the new smart covers also come out further. There, there's more... They're a little bit wider. There's actually more coverage, which means that if you place it, uh, your iPad face down, you can see like more cover sticking out the edge. It doesn't go like right on the screen top. It kind of sticks out a little bit. Um, and some people are complaining about that that they think that looks ugly. But uh, I, I I look at that and I wonder if maybe this is the people who make these accessories saying like we had a lot of problems where they were coming open um so we changed the magnet you know we've been we've been working on a better smart cover for a couple of years now because we we weren't satisfied with that they never said anything like that though so that may or may not be the case but i I wonder because they said nothing they like literally just announced that there are ipad pro smart covers and yes i tried with the old ipad air smart covers and it totally doesn't work so uh, the clasp, uh, the clasp is reversed. The polarity on the clasp is reversed. I think intentionally to say this is not don't do not eat. You know, this is not a product you can use. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's extra money for anybody who's upgrading. You don't get to use your old case, or unless unless it's yeah, if it, if it relies on the magnets at all, it it it's not going to be compatible. Let's uh, let's talk about some other stuff. Um, maybe the iPhone. Uh, I have a watch band. I want to talk about. Oh, uh, do you oh, have anything sure. else you wanted to just to, to wrap up on the iPad? I guess people should look out for your full review on Six Colors. Yeah, it will it will happen at some point if I can. I'm looking at it now, but it's not uh, not done. It's not done. the The True Tone. Um, I, I just wanted to say it's a cool feature. I'm not sure anybody would say that it's a must have feature, but it does do what it says. Um, it it it. it does uh, dynamically change the color temperature of the screen to try and match it to fit it more into your room. I found it a much better feature than the auto brightness feature, which has always really bugged me because I felt like it was adjusting the brightness and my eyes had already adjusted to the screen brightness and then it would pull the rug out from under me. I don't feel that way about the True Tone. The True Tone is, um, you know, in my indoors with uh, incandescent light, it does a pretty good job of sort of yellowing everything up, but making it all feel much more natural. And it's a, it's a fun feature. Um, does it do much to help reading outdoors? Um, no. Okay. No. And I think the, the reduction in glare is a little bit, I mean, it's not overstated, but I think we need to not make too big a deal over the fact that it's got less glare. It's the same glare 
glare coating is the last one. The difference is just they've changed some of the underlayers to be a little less glary. But, you know, I took I took it outside and still struggled in the shade to read. Yeah. And certainly in the sun struggled to read. It's no Kindle, right? No, I mean, I cranked up the, vol- cranked up the brightness all the way. Um, I said the volume, the light volume. Uh, cranked up the brightness all the way. And, you know, it was still... In in bright sunlight, it comes across as being um, black text on a kind of gray background. It's the contrast. It, it just you know, it's not it's not bright enough, and the there and there's still glare, even though it's less glary. It's there's still glare, and you compare that. It's still a backlit screen competing against the sun, and a Kindle is a reflective screen working with the sun. So you know, it's not. Don't don't kid yourself. You could can you read outside with an iPad um, Pro? Sure, but I wouldn't um, I wouldn't choose to do it in especially in bright sunlight. Anything else? Ah, uh, that's I mean the camera is the camera you know from the iPad yeah. or the iPhone, and uh, that's great that they that they did that. I, I just that that's what I would say. Um, oh, and also. Um, because of uh, geometry, if you if you lay it down, even though it's got a camera bump, if you lay it down on a table, it doesn't rock or anything. I it's saw a tweet go by that said that somebody measured it and that the actual iPad itself is ever so slightly curved to help well, balance that out. It's possible. I don't know if that's true, but, but, but if I, that I is think, true, that's such an Apple thing to do, right? I, I think the biggest thing is that it's got so much more surface area that the difference in angles from the corners is not um over over distance uh-huh. it's not appreciable so it you know it's built to it's built to sit on those four edges and not rock yep. and it doesn't yeah it treats the uh the the camera thing as the edge which is also an interesting thing to me because i feel like you would so easily scratch that camera but i would like to think that they thought about that just feel like putting that, you know, putting the device up and down, up and down, like hitting the table, hitting the desk, hitting the concrete, like it. Anyway, I don't know. I feel like it maybe hasn't been so much of an issue on previous models, but I feel like it could be more here. But hmm. we'll see what happens there, I guess, over time. Jason, would you like to tell the world about MailRoute? Yes, I would. This episode of Upgrade, of course, brought to you by our friends at MailRoute. They can be your friends, too. Uh, and I recommend that you uh, you make friends with MailRoute because they are the email experts. They have actually been focusing exclusively on email protection since 1997. Uh, if you think that I was uh, working at MacWorld since forever, uh, I went to work at MacWorld in 1997. So if if that is by the transitive property, then MailRoute's been doing this forever. Their interface is easy to use. It's loaded with administrative tools. They've got an API. And all of it is designed to make your life spam-free. So uh, IT departments are always being asked to do more, including protecting their users from spam and virus attacks. And a lot of the trusted hardware and software options out there have uh, faded away, Postini and MX Logic, and But MailRoute is here. MailRoute is focused just on this aspect, just protecting email 
and hardware from spam, viruses, and other attacks. That's all they do. And they do it in the cloud. You don't have to buy any hardware or software from them. If you own your own domain, that's all you need to use MailRoute. You uh, transfer your MX record to point it at MailRoute servers. MailRoute servers sit between your mail servers and the big bad internet and filter out the bad stuff and deliver the good stuff to you. They support LDAP, Active Directory, TLS, mailbagging. The bagging of mail. That's what mailbagging is. Mm-hmm. Outbound relay, everything you would want from the people handling your mail, and they've got price matching for McAfee MX Logic customers. So you too can stop spam from reaching your server today with a free 30-day trial of MailRoute. Try for 30 days. There's no reason not to. You go to mailroute.net slash upgrade. And if you use that address, you will get 10% off for the lifetime of your account. That's right. The entire time you've got it, 10% off. Or if you don't want to go to the web and want to send an email, they're the email experts. Just email them at sales at mailroute.net and that will work too. This is what they do. Protecting your email from spam and viruses. They do it better and they've been doing it longer than anyone else. So go to mailroute.net slash upgrade today. And thank you to our friends at MailRoute. Thank you, MailRoute. So I wanted to check out one of these woven nylon bands for the Apple Watch. Um, by the time that I could put my order in, uh, there was very little available in stores. I put on order the royal blue, as I figured that, that would be the color that I would like the most. Uh, but I went uh, via my Apple store um, before I just a few days ago, uh, before the, uh, the iPad Pros were there, and they had the gold and red version in stock in 42 and it was the only one that they had um and i figured i'll give it a go right i wasn't sure what i thought about the color uh but i thought i'd give it a go so i've been wearing this thing for a few days uh, and i really like it a lot actually um i think i actually prefer it to sport bands uh it looks a lot better than i expected it's actually quite a nice understated classy look and the buckle which is very much like the leather buckle um, the, the little metal buckle on it uh-huh. is very classy. Um, it does a great job. Uh, I find the nylon to be very comfortable itself, and it's solving a problem that I was having with my sport bands in that I can wear it tighter more comfortably. Uh, I've found recently that my uh-huh. watch band is a little loose. Uh, I have been on a diet. I don't know if that's affected it. Maybe it's all in my head. But I found that I really wanted to tighten my sport band up a little bit. But in doing so, it was either too tight or just a little too loose. In so much that sometimes I was finding throughout the day that my watch was locking itself because it wasn't in great contact with my skin. Um, And whilst I do find the sport bands to still be great, I love the way they look. I'm actually probably going to buy one of the yellow ones. I think I'm going to be wearing the nylon band more. Uh, it's thinner. It feels less comfortable. It's lighter. Um, and feels less comfortable? More, I meant less cumbersome. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm mixing up the words com- I, comfortable and cumbersome now. I almost got you there. I almost trapped you. So close. So I will restate that. It is less cumbersome because it's lighter and thinner, and I find it just the mm. texture of the material to be more comfortable. Um, I never really found that I was sweaty or anything from sport bands. I never found them itchy in any way or anything like that. I know that some people have. Uh, But I just think that overall, this is a nicer feeling band than the sport band. Um, I'm a big fan of this, actually. I think it sits better as well. um, Because what some of the sport bands, what they do is they kind of seem to 
take their own shape, right? So you, at the edges where the lugs go, it, they kind of break out and then loop back around your wrist, if that makes sense. So it leaves some air gaps uh, in the corners. The nylon band doesn't do that. It feels to, to wrap to my wrist a lot more. And, and Adina tried one on, and she has tiny, tiny wrists, and it really fit her a lot better as well than the sport band does, where you could put like a pencil in between the watch and her arm, in, you know, around where the, the lugs go. So, yeah, I think that this is a really great product. And in all honesty, I can see why the sport now seems to, by default, come with one of these. I think it's actually a a better starting band than the sport band. And now I really feel that the sport band is fulfilling its original goal in that it is for sport. Hmm. I've been surprised at how much I like the sport band. I love the sport bands. Don't get me wrong. Like I really do. And I will continue to wear them, but the nylon band I actually think is a, is a better band. Interesting. I will have to try one. You should. Yeah, find, maybe grab the black one or something, right? Because some of the colors are strange. There's a really kind of, uh, I think, a little bit cheeky thing that Apple have done. There are a couple of colors where in the reverse, they're different models. So you can kind of see this if you look at the store. And I, and I want to bring it up so I can tell you the actual colors where I've seem to have noticed this from. Um, so... And I've seen people like asking in the FAQs if these are reversible. Then they're, they're not reversible. The the lugs don't work in the opposite, and right. the, the 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 band won't won't clasp together. But so if you take a look at maybe the golden red and the gold and royal blue, so if you look at the images, the colors reverse. So the red is on the outside and the gold red. Oh yeah, and the blue is on. And it's blue on the inside. And then when you select the other one, it's the opposite. And I think that's really interesting because that's Apple. They're making one strap and just putting the buckles on differently. Hmm. That's interesting, right? Like that, that is, is a supply chain thing that is maximizing production. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. It was, you know, I don't really feel too strongly about this, but I just think that is an interesting thing that they're doing at least. But yeah, I've got yeah. a royal blue one on the way too because uh, that's my favorite looking of all the colors on the site. So uh, I'm excited to try out more of these because I'm obsessed with buying watch bands. Yeah, clearly. Thank you. Well, I'm glad somebody is uh, out there trying all the watch bands. I'm on the beat. And I'm, and I'm glad it's not me. <laughs> I'm on the watch band beat. Yep. iPhone SE. Yeah. Um, this is a, you know, as with many of the reviews that I've read of this product, uh, they kind of write themselves in, in a lot of ways, right? Like, if you know what V5S is, you know what this is. Um, yeah. But, I, you know, I enjoyed reading your review as I did others, mainly just for the thinking that goes into the product. Just to, And one of my favorite parts uh, about your review is kind of breaking down the should you make this decision and the ramifications of making the decision of going back to the SE, right? Like, yeah, this feels great and would fit in with the product that you have now, but in about six months time, you're going to feel bad again. Yeah. That's, I think that's the, the key. <laughs> uh, I think what I said in my review was this is the product for people who are committed to the four inch phone lifestyle. Yeah. Because if, if you, 
if you like the four inch phone, but the most important thing is to be on the cutting edge, you will you will not be on the cutting edge for very long with this phone for the first six months of its life, maybe, and then not again. And for I think a lot of people, the people who are going to be buying this phone, that's fine, right? Uh, either they don't care. And this is the cheapest iPhone and it works for them. Or they don't care because they want the 4-inch phone. And uh, it's way better than the 5S. And so, yay, they win. Um, but if you're somebody like John Gruber, who really loves the 4-inch size and design, but let's be serious, is a giant tech nerd and is going to get the iPhone 7 when it comes out because it's going to have some must-have features that he's going to have to have and he you know that'll be that's fine <laughs> that's fine for Gruber as they say <laughs> because he's going to get them all and he's he's a very uh, uh you know into this sort of thing he's th- this is his thing this is what he does so of course he's going to he's going to try all those things out but if you're just a regular person who gets a phone every couple of years that's bad uh, that's a bad direction to go because yeah. if you get this phone now you know, it's not, it's currently at the cutting edge, but that cut was made last fall. So it's already, it's it's not, I had a couple of people quibble when I said that this is sort of uh, 2012 design in, in 2015 technology. They're like, well, no, it's 2016 technology. It's like, well, nah. no, it's 2015 technology. 2016 technology will be out this fall. This is last fall's model. It's yeah. already, already aging tech. 2016 technology includes True Tone. Right, that's 2016 technology. <laughs> right, I suppose so. Maybe not on an iPhone. Maybe we'll see. But, um, but whatever comes out this fall, that's the that'll be the cutting edge. So this is a phone that is not for people who are obsessed with the cutting edge latest features of Apple's products, but are more concerned with having um, a phone that they like that is the design and a size that they like or a price that they like. And uh, it, it's there. There will never be a better time to buy the iPhone SE because in they'll probably be selling it in a year and a half too and it'll be way behind then uh, and I hope that they will update this I don't think every year but maybe every other year we'll just sort of put some new internals or they'll replace it with a new design but uh, is it remains a four by the way we I feel like we haven't sufficiently gloated enough given how much we talked about the uh, the merits of a four inch iPhone like a year ago Um. Like mm-hmm. to the point where I think people started to say, "Stop talking about a four-inch the four-inch iPhone. <laughs> it's never going to happen." Um, but it you, happened. You were right on that one. I, I you have been hashtag saying hashtag yeah, Jason, Jason was, was right. right. Yeah, you did it. Um, so let's there. We took the moment. Mm-hmm. So uh, so yeah, that that's the SE. It's a great phone, and you just need to know like. It, this is if this is going to be the phone you're committing to use for the next few years, not because it's necessarily even on a contract, but, but it's you know it it costs. Uh, it has a pretty decent price tag. You want to you want to buy a phone and then use it for a while. Uh, be aware that if you're the kind of person who gets lured by the siren song of the latest Apple features that come every fall, this is not the phone for you. If you've been totally fine on the 5S for a long time and you wanted that because you loved it, you probably shouldn't hesitate too much to get this because it's perfect. You are already somebody who is okay with waiting a few years because you've yeah. waited a few years. So exactly. take a look at this. I think this, this should be a serious consideration for people. Unless you like shiny and new. If you like shiny and new, it doesn't look shiny and new, right? Everyone who bought, everyone who has a 5S or a 5 that they're still using, this is the phone for them. I, I think. Because otherwise, 
Um, unless they've, you know, really just been, they've got other reasons, let's say, to wait to buy a new phone. Like, presumably they've they've held on because they're comfortable with this phone and they have not liked the look of the new phone. So, you know, I think I think for those people, this is it. You get your same phone <laughs> that you're comfortable with, but now it's got almost all of the top of the line features of of these other phones. So you'll you'll get Apple Pay now. And and you'll get the faster processor, and you'll get the way better camera, and uh, but it'll still feel like your phone. It'll fit. It'll fit in your case. Unlike the iPad Pro, which broke all those accessories, um, our uh, our friends at Studio Neat uh, made the point of pointing out that they've got the Glyph is now available for the iPhone SE <laughs> because it's just an iPhone five. <laughs> all iPhone five cases now have more value. It's amazing. I don't really know what else to say about this. No, no, it's um I think that's it. I think I think that's the story. Uh, as I said to Ren last week, um writing reviews of these things is a challenge. Um I know I mentioned that on the Six Colors podcast too last week. Um and I I think I said on the Six Colors podcast they're going to be my reviews are going to be kind of weird because what do you there's nothing new it's sort of the what's mostly what's new is just the mixing around and the strategy, the marketing. Yeah, and so we covered that here, which is I think in the end it's like who should buy this, and you know should I consider it? And I feel like there's a fairly clear dividing line, which is like does it matter that you're on the cutting edge because this is never going to be the cutting edge phone, um, or does the do the intangibles of this product matter more? And like we were saying about iPads and laptops and things like that, Apple is now free to sell phones in three different sizes that are using their current tech, and you get to pick based on some other issues of, of, you know, do you want the really large phone like, like you do Mike, right? Or do you want the really small phone? You, you, you have choices. And, and for the people who, who want this because it is a four inch phone, because they're comfortable with that size and that design, they're going to be really happy. And that's what it's there for. Yeah. That's the product, right? That's why it's here now. That's why it's yeah. announced now. It's it's simple. They're adding something to the line. Uh, there's not going to be another one in September. They didn't compromise and make it like an iPhone six. It's the, yep. it's the processor from the six S. So it's it's not already a year and a half old tech. It's the current top of the line model tech for a much lower price. With, with you know with a couple of examples it doesn't do 3d touch right but you know it, it's and the front facing camera is not very good but um but yeah it's it's uh it's pretty great for what for what it is and at a at a pretty great price the lowest brand new iphone price ever so there's a lot going for it but yeah that's about it that's how it works aloha hello this week's episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. Start booting your own website today at squarespace.com and use the offer code UPGRADE at checkout to get 10% off your purchase. With easy-to-use tools and templates, Squarespace helps you capture every detail of what drives you because if it's worth the effort, it's worth sharing with the world. Uh, I'm working on a little side project right now and I'm getting ready to set up a Squarespace site for it because it needs a landing page and it needs an email address and it needs some photos i'm basically going to set up one of their great cover pages they all have beautiful templates it's really easy to just drag and drop that stuff together you can just 
drag like images from your desktop onto the web page and it just appears. All of this stuff with Squarespace is so simple. They have really great tools. They're powerful though as well. I mean, that's what I like about it. It's easy to build, but it's looked after. It's adapted. It doesn't matter what you know. It doesn't matter what your skill level is. You have all of the tools that you need to put together something that looks professionally designed. I wouldn't be able to do this in any other way because I just don't know how. And this is why they're trusted by millions of people around the world. They ensure security and stability along with the -the state-of-the-art technology that they provide. They back it up with 24-7 support. They have a commerce platform, rock-solid, fast hosting, and just so much more. Squarespace will also give you a free domain name if you sign up for a year, and their plans start at just $8 a month. You can sign up for a free trial today with no credit card required. Start putting your own website straight away. Go to squarespace.com to do that. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure that you use the offer code UPGRADE to get 10% off your first purchase and share your support for this show. Uh, top tip, if you buy an annual plan, you'll get 10% off the entire year. Bear that in mind. Thank you so much to Squarespace for their support of this show and Relay FM. It's Ask Upgrade time. Yeah, I'll ask upgrade. All right. All we had right. fun last we had fun last week. It was all right. Uh it's we had fun last week with the uh the I was doing some Bob's burgers there. Um the uh we had fun last week. It was kind of cool to be able to curate the questions and some of the ask upgrade questions for for Serenity. It was a lot of fun, but it's good it's good that you're back. It's classic ask upgrade now. Yeah, it was nice and extended. I think that was a good way of doing it because there yeah. were very specific questions that people may have pent up demand to ask that we can't usually answer because we mm. don't have the skills that Ren has. Start yeah. off with a question from Harlequin today. I was wondering what happened to the Google Play podcast initiative, if I remember correctly. You guys spoke about it a while back. I would love to know. Uh, nothing <laughs> so far, I don't think. It's difficult for me to know because um, it's not available at all uh, in the UK right now. Right. I believe that Google Play podcast is available for some people in the US, uh, but as of right now, um, if there is anything going on, Google will not making a massive fanfare about it. Yeah, I haven't even looked yet. I should do that in in my. I have my little uh, my test Android phone here. Yep, we've checked it out and we're looking at it um, for Relay FM. But uh, in regards to a big launch, uh, I don't actually think that's happened yet. No, it seems like they're testing it. Yeah, I think they've got a small group of people in. But like I can't do anything. I can't even if I log on in the UK, I can't even get any information. So I believe I trust that it is still happening and still coming. Um but I think Google is still trying to iron out some of the kinks on their end. Um but yeah, we're looking into it and I'm excited about it. I am actually genuinely excited about it. It's there's a lot of movement right now, um, in the podcast world directory wise. Uh we have iTunes and we've had iTunes forever, but I feel like there's going to be another one, whether it will be Google or Spotify or someone. There's going to be another big player at some point, and, and I'm very interested to see where that ends up shaking out. Yeah, because essentially there's been no major directory player in podcasting since Apple launched its directory in like 2005. Yep. It's all this all this growth has sort of flowered with I mean, that's the beauty of the decentralization of it. But at the same time, it makes discovery problematic. If you talk to like like the way we know that Overcast works, like Overcast does a lot of checking against the iTunes directory. Yeah. Um, You know, just to make sure something is public, for example, Mm -hmm. that's one of the things it will do. And that's just it's fascinating that, you know. 
there's no you know the truth is in the cloud right <laughs> what's the what's the what's the truth of whether a, a podcast exists and how you search it right now um the truth is iTunes for podcasts and uh that's fine because that's been a fairly open system unlike the app store you know basically you can get your podcast into iTunes quite easily and the apple's just added some new tools for podcasters to control that used to all be kind of totally opaque except for a few partners yeah and now there's more, more based on itunes connect now which is fantastic yeah so it's that. a better it's a better system but it's the only one and the only one is never that's never good that you only have the one um and it's controlled by this one company so uh i i think it'll be more of a pain for all of us i suppose as podcasters but i think for uh, podcast listeners it'll be good to have a little more um uh, you know more more diversity in the um in the places that you can look for podcasts than than right now yeah i'm i'm just excited about the idea of there being something that can play podcasts on basically every android phone right out of the box it's yeah big, well, well let's see let's see how they let's see how they do it <laughs> right i worry that they're going to screw it up because they just fundamentally we talked about this a while ago putting it inside google uh, music mm-hmm. it's, it's not, not music thing. So that's a bad place to put it, but yeah. that's where I mean, it is. That's, and that's where, that's where Apple, Apple started. started. Yeah, there mm-hmm. you go. Jinx. Uh, yeah. But it's, you know, there may be eventually, if it gets traction, they'll they'll split it out again, but uh, time will tell. That would be nice. That would be nice. Yes, that would be the sweetest thing, is if every Android phone came with a dedicated Google Podcast app. That would be awesome. Good for podcasts. Eric asked, what are your favorite non-drawing apps for use with the Apple Pencil? I've been playing Supergiant Games Transistor, and it's great. Uh, In the same vein, uh, Transistor is like a point-and-click game. Um, I would recommend Crashlands as a similar kind of thing. Games where it's like point-and-click, you know, you tap to go here, tap to interact. The Apple Pencil is amazing for that because you are tapping directly onto the screen. It feels real good. I, I think these types of games where you typically are putting multiple hours of work into it's better on your hands and actually feels more comfortable to use the Apple Pencil for something like that. So I I recommend uh, that kind of thing. But as I've mentioned before, uh, all apps, in my opinion, are improved when navigating (laughs) with the Apple Pencil. Uh, Mm -hmm. And thank you, Apple, for allowing me to continue doing that. Yep. Um, Rob wrote in, this is an inside baseball question, but how often do you guys reevaluate or tweak your editing or effect settings for your podcasts? Um, I make small tweaks to EQs and levels and compression frequently. Um, and there can be many different things that might do that. You know, I'm like listening to maybe this episode and I hear it and as I'm listening back, I'm like, ah, oh, Jason sounds a little bit different to me here. I'll change that. Um, you know, like today my voice is a little hoarser than usual. So I might make some slight changes there. I might need to increase my volume more than usual. I make little tweaks like that quite frequently. But in regards to reevaluating something uh, on a on a bigger level, I only really tend to do that kind of thing when there's a big change, an environment change, an equipment change, or a software change, or even my side or a guest or a host's side before I sit down and really will spend hours working on a new EQs or something, which is only something I very basically understand. And, and my kind of gauge for this stuff is how does it sound to me? And that's how I make the change. If I think it sounds good, then that's what I do. Yeah, um, It's just a personal yeah. preference thing. I think for a lot of people, I think, do it that way. Whether they yeah. understand it or not, it's how it sounds to their ear. Like me and you master the show differently because it's just the way it sounds to us. 
Yeah, and I've got different presets. I also have presets. I do adjust them uh, basically per show uh, most of the time to try to get the levels to be in so that there's not like a loud person and a quiet person. Um, and I've got presets for, for EQ and compression, um, although I always change the compression. I think my, my default compression should probably be changed, and I'll do that. But there's some inertia there. Um, and then, yeah, we do have different presets, which is interesting. In fact, for a while we were talking about how I had – I had a bunch of presets in Logic, and you didn't. Um, you've sort of slowly added some more effects over time. Yeah, I was a little bit intimidated. Yeah, well, uh, it is intimidating. Yes, it's, that it's stuff horrifying. is not. It, it's not made for people who are not sort of audio engineers to understand. And 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 uh, so we're you know, and and likewise, I don't have a listening party for every podcast I put out. It's what goes into my ears, mm-hmm. and I will. Um, that that's. I usually edit on the speakers and not on my in ear headphones. I always edit on headphones. Uh, I yeah, I decided um, I do some. I mean, I'm also in a space by myself. I can turn it up pretty loud when I'm when I'm looking for noises and all of that. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I found that I um, I obsessed a little too much on the headphones. Hmm. But I sometimes do edit on headphones. What I'll do sometimes is if it's a long show and I'm doing like a full listen through, I will I will get the audio sounding right on headphones. Then I will switch to speakers because it's more comfortable. If you you know if you're sitting down and editing something for three or four hours, um, I yeah. will just make sure I've got the audio levels correct, I've got the EQ correct, and then I'll switch over to my speakers. Um, yeah. Sometimes I might play a video game or something whilst I'm editing, and if I'm just listening for something, interesting, uh, and and that that would t- t- that would do me well. Okay. Danny wanted to know: Will the USB keyboard or Apple USB keyboard work on iPad Pros using the powered Lightning USB dongle? Jason, do you know? Do USB uh, keyboards are they even uh, noticed by this dongle? Uh, yeah, USB keyboards will work with the old one that isn't powered. Okay, there you go. So most keyboards don't require that much power, and so they just work. I I used my crazy uh, clicky. Um, uh, mechanical keyboard on the iPad Pro with the old USB dongle, and it worked fine. So uh, I'm sure you can. I I didn't try it again, but it, it worked on the old one. I'm sure it works on the new one. I haven't been able to get my hands on one of those yet, either. <laughs> that was one of those powered uh, USB mm. thingamajigs. I just want to play around with that. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there. And Rob wanted to know, does the 29-watt USB-C to lightning charger... Uh, not charge things other than the iPad Pro or just not as fast? It, I have one of those now. Oh, nice. Yeah, I bought one. Uh, it charges everything. Yes. But it's the iPad Pro that it charges, and only the big one that the it charges 12.9-inch iPad Pro has in its lightning connector circuitry support for a higher amount of power intake. And it is glorious. And so if you want, it's that model... Um, and it's not a new charger because it's the charger that they use on the MacBook. But now there's the USB to Lightning cable that works. And it'll charge. And this is true with all the Lightning stuff. It'll charge on anything. But it, if the device can accept more power, it will charge faster. And in that case, you're getting a super fast charge. I've seen quite a few people complain and say that this should have been the charger that came in the box with the iPad Pro. I actually disagree with that. Um Simply because it would have been more difficult in my setup to then have another cable with a different connector as the standard one. Because it, yeah, 
now I have, which I'm very happy I have, a two meter lightning cable. So I can keep that in my bag for when I travel because I have one of those Anchor 5 USB hub things. Right. So when I go to a hotel, I have more than enough USBs for me and a companion, you know, whoever's staying in the hotel room with me. Um, I wouldn't have wanted to then have to also bring the USB-C adapter for my iPad Pro. Right. So I now have a lovely long cable, which I'm very happy that I have. It works with any lightning cable, but I like the long one because it is great to have that. Um, I think it, having to then have to worry about this USB-C one as well would have been just an extra frustration. Mm-hmm. So I think they made the right choice with the way that they did it. Um, but I'm now happy that this thing exists and it works and I get this super fast charging of it. That's that's great stuff. Yep. So there we go. That's it. That's it. That's we it. We did it. We did it. We did it again. We're so, we're so great at doing this show. And and you're back next week? You're not traveling anywhere next week? Not next week. No. Um, All right. I'm traveling somewhere next week, but I'll be here anyway. I'll be on the podcast next yeah. Monday. From, from the desert. Back in the desert. I'll be back in the desert again. Yeah. Yeah, so get ready for some air conditioning and some heating up out there in the desert. You see, that's when I'll tweak your audio. Yes, you will. That's a good, it's a great example where the, the conditions there, even if I bring my microphone and mixer and everything, the room is very different. And so it'll, it'll be a different. Uh, and I usually talk quieter because I'm trying not to echo mm-hmm. in an echoey room. So there you go. Yeah. If you want to find our show notes for this week. You can find them in your app of choice, or you can go to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 83. Thanks again to our great sponsors, the people over at MailRoute, Squarespace, and FreshBooks for helping support this week's show. We'll be back next time, as we said. Uh, If you want to find Jason's work, including his iPad Pro review, which will be going up shortly, I expect, before the next episode. Yes. Head on over to sixcolors.com. And you'll find that there. Um, if you would like to find me online, uh, head on over to Twitter. I'm at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Jason is at JasonL, J-S-N-E-L-L. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason. Aloha. That's how it works.